All right, so some of you guys may be wondering uh, why Brent's up a second time in a row. Um, Danny Tomlinson was supposed to be here this morning to, to speak, and we got a call yesterday afternoon, and he was very sick. And uh, so I'm pinch hitting today for him, and uh, we're, we're super happy that you are here, and you guys keep him and his family in your prayers. Um, they had some strep go through their family last Sunday. And so really hoping that this is not strep because that just is not fun. <laughs> All right, so you guys uh, keep them lifted up in your prayers. But as we go into our message this morning, I, we're just going to start with some scripture. And so I, I ask you guys just to turn your hearts and tune your hearts to God as, as we read his word this morning. This comes from Luke chapter 3, verses 7 through 18. Um, and it's once again, we're talking about John the Baptist and some of the things that he has to say um, in the moments there when he is um, ministering there. So... Verse 7, so he began saying to the crowds who were going out to be baptized by him, you brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Therefore bear fruits in keeping with repentance and do not begin to say to yourselves, we have Abraham for our father. For I say to you that from these stones, God is able to raise up children to Abraham. Indeed, the ax is already laid at the root of the trees. So every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. And the crowds were questioning him, saying, then what shall we do? And he would answer and say to them, the man who has two tunics is to share with him who has none, and he who has food is to do likewise. And some tax collectors also came to be baptized, and they said to him, teacher, what shall we do? And he said to them, collect no more than what you have been ordered to. And some soldiers were questioning him, saying, and what about us? What shall we do? And he said to them, do not take money from anyone by force. Or accuse anyone falsely and be content with your wages. Now, while the people were in a state of expectation and all were wondering in their hearts about John as to whether he was the Christ, John answered and said to them all, As for me, I baptize you with water. But one is coming who is mightier than I, and I am not fit to untie the thong of his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand to thoroughly clear his threshing floor and to gather the wheat into his barn, but he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. So with many other exhortations, he preached the gospel to the people. This morning, if you would take a moment and just pray with me, and um, let's, uh, let's really, I, I said that a second ago, let's tune our hearts. Um, it's kind of like a radio dial, and I just want to ask you to, to do that, and just kind of tune your hearts to what God has to say to each and every one of us this morning. Father, we thank you that you are good, and Lord, this is... Uh, crazy piece of scripture in some ways, but God, we can pull so much from it. And uh, Lord, in these moments, I pray that you would, would help us to hear what you have to say, that it would fall on good soil, that the rocky places in our lives, the, the enemy that might come and steal from us, that all these things that might come and, and choke out what you have to say to us would be pushed away and that this, these words this morning would fall on good ground. Father, today I also pray that you would help me to speak your heart, God, that you would allow my, my mind to, to tap in there, and that you would help me to, to speak your heart with my words. And this morning, we give you this time. In Jesus' name, amen. So, this is the third Sunday of Advent, and uh, we have been in this sermon series about testifying to love, and we've been through testifying to righteous love, testifying to unfettered love. And this morning, we are testifying to liberating love. And God sets us free. Now, I, I know this is, this is one of those things that um, we say all the time, and, 
you know, and, and even scripture in Galatians says it is for freedom that God has set us free. And, but sometimes we don't know exactly what this freedom might look like. This liberation can be hard to talk about, especially here in the United States, okay? Because we love us some freedom here in America, right? All right? We're the land of the free. We are red, white, and blue. We're, you know, life, liberty, the pursuit of happiness. We love ourselves some freedom. But even though we experience freedom here like maybe no other group has ever experienced in the history of the world, sometimes we just don't exactly know what to do with it. Sometimes our freedom, in fact, um, can lead us to a real lack of freedom because it leads us down destructive paths and it might even destruct the lives of other people around us because we do whatever we want. So sometimes even our freedom is not really something that's free. But in this scripture today, we get a little bit of a glimpse of what freedom might be, but John starts us off in this really kind of strange way, and so we just need to, we need to address it because if we don't, then it, the rest of it doesn't kind of make sense. And because he looks at these people and he drops this kind of insult at them, all right? And I don't know if you ever kind of feel it that way, but, you know, being called a brood of vipers, I mean, for us today, that's kind of like, all right, you know, you family, you little bunch of snakes, Okay, my, my grandmother used to call people snakes. I don't know if, does that, does that did your grandmother call people snakes? It, it's not something we use very often, you little snake. I think it's stuff like that all the time, you know. But, um, but yeah, you know, we don't, we don't call people snakes, but this, this brood of vipers. But this, this insult or this, this correction or whatever you might want to call it kind of goes back to the idea of the creation and that the snake or the serpent was something that was associated with evil. And so in these moments, he's like, you are not the children of God. You are a family of snakes. You are a family that's interested in evil. And that's, that's a harsh thing to say, right? I mean, if you look at somebody and just say, man, you are evil, that is not how we typically want to think about folks or to kind of let's endear folks to us. I'm just going to call you a viper, all right? So it's not the way we normally go about that. But basically what he's saying is that we resemble this evil nature of who we are. But God's freedom really should change us in a different way. And he does that by saying, hey, your fruit needs to match your repentance, your story. So if you're an orange tree, you should be producing what? Oranges. But in their life, they're looking at this, and he's like looking at it, and they say, hey, you're supposed to be an orange tree, but there's a whole lot of apples popping out over here, okay? Something's not lining up. So they need to be careful about that, but they also got to be careful a little bit about their sense of entitlement, as we do too sometimes, all right? Because they've been sitting back and thinking about this idea of who they are, that they're the, the children of Abraham. They're the people of God. They're the promise. They're the legacy. They're shoe-ins because they have the covenant of Abraham on their lives. And they just think they're in because of who their dad was and that progeny that just keeps on going down through time. But John is looking at him and saying, hey, listen, there is no way to flee the coming wrath that God has except to repent. And repentance is basically something that, it's, it's a simple term that means to turn around. Sometimes using military formations, a group of soldiers would be marking, marching one direction Somebody would call out, repent. They turn, they turn 180 degrees, mark the other direction going back. So repentance by necessity has in it a change 
direction. And so for him, he's looking at these people and he's saying, hey, repentance is where we find this liberation. This is where we find this new life, this new direction for who we are. And it's through repentance that we can today think and look and see this this liberating love that God has for us. And that liberating change of direction should change the methods of our life, should change the way we think about our lives and those around us, and ultimately it should change the message of who we are. Now these methods, let's start there. We're liberated from our methods of self-centeredness, greed, and indifference. And we're set free through this repentance to bear the fruit of mercy, encouragement, and compassion. And we see this right there in those, those statements with those three different groups of people that, and we got to give them some credit, okay, they, they hear this message and they hear that they were brood of vipers and all this kind of stuff, and then they say, what should we do? And, and sometimes I think this is one of those things that we don't, we don't ask this to, of God so often, what should we do in this moment? I've, I've come to this understanding of something in my life, now what should I do? And these folks, they, they ask this question. In verses 10 through 14, and the crowds were questioning him, saying, then what shall we do? And he answers them, the man who has two tunics is to share with him who has none, and he who has food is to do likewise. And so this, this method of our self-centeredness, our, our a desire to take care of ourselves and to, to hold on to things, changes when we are set free by God. We release of our own priorities for the sake of the others. Now, this is not how our world operates. I don't know if you realize this. I realize it every day, okay? Um, my wife works in a middle school, and if you hang out with teenagers in that middle school environment, they've got to hold on to what is theirs as much as they can sometimes, you know? And so they get it, they grab it, they hold on to it, they protect it, they save it. And it's no different than that than it is for adults out there. We get it, we hold on to it, we protect it, we save it. But what God's calling to us in this freedom is to say, hey, listen, you've got a new direction in your life. You don't have to hold on to those things. If you have more than you need, you can give it away. So we move from this perspective of having our our self in the priority seat and we move towards giving and mercy in our lives. Tax collectors, they came to him and said, teacher, what shall we do? And he said to them, collect no more than you've been ordered to. And this is kind of a tricky one, you know, we can kind of think about this in these ways, but we don't really have, I mean, we have tax collectors, and if you've ever talked to the IRS, they, they always want to collect more than they're ordered to, but that's the way it goes. But there's, there's, there's some laws in that place, but the tax collectors of this time, they were shady folks, okay? The government would look at them and say, hey, here's, the, here's what we need you to collect, and they knew they had power, and they knew they had influence in a way that... Um, they could take whatever they wanted. And so they would take this much and then they'd say, okay, here's like my tax collector surcharge. And they just take this extra little portion right here. And they would just gouge the people that they lived with and lived around. That's why we hear, you know, stories of Zacchaeus and stories of Matthew who were tax collectors. They're not loved or beloved people, but Jesus found them and loved on them and changed the way that they saw the world. But in these moments... When we think about what it would mean to be a tax collector for ourselves, we have to think about where do we take the value and the worth of other people beyond what might just be normal in our lives. So as I thought about that, you know, I thought about our community, and I don't know, I don't know if you guys know this or not, but we're kind of known as a community that gossips. We take from somebody's 
value and worth, and we put them on display. In our society, we do this with social media, we do this with spreading rumors, and our greed, not unlike the the tax collector where it might have been about money, our greed comes to self-worth, where we want to put ourselves in a better place. We have our own, but we take from others, and we take in those moments and degrading them. We do that in all kinds of ways. But in repentance, in this freedom that we come from this, we have these patterns that we used to live by, and now we have the pattern and the, and the freedom to bring encouragement to others, to add to their lives rather than shave away of their worth. We can show honor to them in the name of God. We can show strength. We can, be, we can show the love and the redemption that we've experienced and help empower and build up those around us. So when the vipers might be tearing down things, the redeemed of God get to build things. The soldiers, they came to him and asked, what about us? What shall we do? He says, do not take money from anyone by force or accuse anyone falsely and be content with your wages. These, these soldiers, kind of like the tax collectors, they had the opportunity to do whatever they wanted. They could tear down however they wanted. They could pressure people. They could put them in a place where they were inferior because they had the power to do it. And because of that, they were indifferent to the status of people or the pain that other people had. And the more comfortable we become in our lives, oftentimes the more indifferent we become to the people around us. And this is a This is one that kind of seeps its way into our lives. We don't realize it sometimes. The soldiers had this power, and we have this power that's been given to us by God. But if we don't see with his eyes, if we're not careful to think about his heart and how he would operate, we can find ourselves struggling to see the less fortunate around us. And this liberating love that we have allows us to set free of our eyes as well, Search out those needs. Like we talked about last week, that, that song that we kick down walls and we tear down systems of oppression. We have compassion and empathy rather than indifference for people. And so we take the power that we have and we encourage and we respond. So all these things that we have in our mindset become this, this new life that we lead, this new freedom because of Repentance. And the, the beautiful thing about what God has done through Christ is that we, we sang about it here that, that we have this God that has come to us. In almost every other religion that we, we see, people are always seeking out and going to God. And in our faith, the God of the universe has come to us. And he's done that in such a beautiful way through the Holy Spirit. And in this piece of scripture, John when he's confronted with thinking, is he the Christ, he has to once again remind them that there's one who's coming who is greater than him. But Jesus himself tells us in the book of John that the Holy Spirit would come and he would dwell in us, a spirit of truth and an advocate to help us. The spirit of God that lives in us makes his dwelling place in our hearts. So our freedom, and we're set free, and we're filled with the Spirit that speaks truth through us, that helps us, that lives within us, and empowers us. 
And if we repent, our lives no longer conform to this way of thinking of this world, but are transformed by him and his living in our, in our lives. Our lives become a conduit of God's power, and we begin to realize a very important truth. That what God wants to bless in this world, he does that through us. And so as we, as we change our mindset, our methods are changing, our mindsets are changing, but our job at first is to submit ourselves to God so that we can become this conduit of God's blessing. D.L. Moody, he has this question about a glass. And some of you guys may have heard this before, but he, he stood in front of a, a crowd of people and he said, how do I get all the air out of this glass? And somebody in the crowd cried out, well, you could put it on a pump and, and pull and suck all the air out of it. And the truth is that you could do that to a certain extent, but at some point, that glass would break and shatter under the, the pressure on the outside. And so they went through a bunch of other different kind of statements and different ideas. And then D.L. Moody had this glass and he picked up a pitcher of water and he poured that water into it until it overflowed. And he said, now, look, all the air is gone because it's full of water. And his point in doing this and point in saying this is that all the things in our lives that, that trap us, all the things that keep us in a place where we can't serve and we can't give and we can't be free, they can't just be one by one sucked out, but instead, they, as we f- allow God to fill us with his Holy Spirit, these things just are pushed out of our lives. We become new. Our minds become new. The way we see the world becomes new and we're set free. And therefore, our message should change. Verse 18 says that with many other exhortations, he preached the gospel to the, the people there. And this word gospel, it was in the song we just we heard and sang. It's a word that we use nowadays more as an adjective instead of a noun. You know, we've got gospel music and we've got gospel revivals and somebody will tell you, that's the gospel truth I just told you there, okay? Those, those, are, those are descriptors, all right? But the gospel itself is a noun. It's a thing. It's the good news of God in our life. It's what the word itself means. It's the hope. It's the love. It's the joy. And hey, spoiler alert, it's going to be the peace, all right, next week as well. But the gospel brings these things to our life. And when we receive God's righteousness, when we are unfettered and and unshackled by, by this freedom that we have, we have a message to share with the world. It's both in what we do, just like sharing your tunic or giving away your food if you have excess in your life. And let's, let's be honest, we have a lot of excess in our lives. You know, as I was thinking about this, um, I, 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 I think about this all the time. My wife and I have done a lot of work in Central America over the years, and um, there's a little town in, in Honduras called El Pino. And it, it's the pineapple, okay? That's what El Pino means. And it's where Dole has most of its operations for pineapples in the world, okay? And I was sitting there last night working on this, and, and I looked down, and I had this thing laying on the table. 
And uh, how many of y'all have one of these? I'd, I'd probably say like 99% of us probably have a smartphone. Anybody still rocking a flip phone in here? Yeah, that's what I didn't think so. Some of, some of us are too young to have phones. Yeah, that's the way it works. So, but, you know, I, I cracked mine recently, which is amazing. But, um, you know, I thought, you know, I need to get that fixed. I need to replace that. But as I was sitting there last night thinking about this, um, in El Pino, Honduras, um, a, a worker in the fields there, a standard person who lives in that town, makes $260 a year. Per year, $260. And I thought this thing that's sitting on the table that I stick in my pocket, it fell off the couch and broke. It's four years worth of labor for that person. Folks, we are blessed. So, so blessed. So sometimes we think, well, I don't have, I don't have anything to give. I don't, I don't have excess. But I know that we have so very, very much. And just within in the circles we live in right here, within just a couple handfuls of miles from here, there are so many, many people who have so very, very little. We have this opportunity, this message of hope, this message of love to share. And so it's what, with what we do. It's how we live our lives, but it's also about what we say and how we're empowered and fueled by the Holy Spirit in our lives. And I, I, I love the sentiment of the statement that says, preach the gospel at all times and when necessary, use words. I get that. But folks, I just want to say something, at least in the midst of this, is that there's all kinds of things that you can do that are good things. You can sponsor kids. I mean, you can, you can buy shoes and another pair of shoes gets give, given away. Now you can buy socks Another person gets socks. Bombas. They got a tattoo on their arm. Okay? There's all kinds of things that you can do that are good and not have to say words. But the fact of the matter is, is that when then the world changes around us and we have this opportunity to share the gospel, it's not about just what we do. It's about what we say. It's about how we communicate to the world around us that, that this isn't just a good thing that happened, but this is a good thing that happened because the God that sent his son to this world that loves us beyond all compare, that brings hope, that brings love, that brings joy and peace, he's the one who brought this to you. So do good things, but don't forget to tell people where it came from. We have a message. We have good news and this is a world that doesn't get a lot of good news. In 2009, a movie was released um, called The Blind Side, starring Sandra Bullock. And um, it's a fantastic movie. If you haven't seen it, you need to go see it, or not go see it, but you need to find it on your television somewhere. And see it. Okay. But this film is about um, an amazing family and a young man who didn't have a home, didn't have any family to take care of him. And Michael Orr would not, had been in this horrible situation and in this position where his life had been, he just lived abandonment. Everybody that was around him had abandoned him. 
And so he found himself walking on a street on a cold November day in a t-shirt and shorts in a time when it was below freezing. And in this movie, which is based on an absolute true story, this family drives past him. They know who he is. And Sean Toohey, who's Michael's adopted father, said recently in a, in a, in a conference that their whole lives changed because of two words in that moment. His wife, Leanne, drove past, saw him, and in the movie, it's just this powerful moment. And she says, turn around. And the beautiful thing about the story is that he didn't say anything about it. He just turned the car around and went back. And in those moments, she got out of the car and she confronts this young man, not in a horrible way, but with peace and grace, and asks him if he has a place to stay. And at first she says yes, and it's, it's the, probably the best line of the whole thing. It's like, don't you dare lie to me. That's what she says to him. I love it. Okay? And then he shakes his head, no, I don't have anywhere to go. And that night they brought him to their home, and he never left. He became part of their family. And, and Michael Ower not only was able to dodge this dysfunctional life that he had in those moments, but because of their support and their encouragement in his life, he was a first-round NFL draft pick to the Baltimore Ravens in 2009. He's played and won a Super Bowl. He's, he's an amazing young man because people turned around. And so as we talk about this piece of scripture, sometimes, you know, we, we just focus on these words and things like that, but it starts with the repentance in our own lives. And oftentimes we just talk about this and, and the idea of sin that we would we just turn away from sin, but this is a directional thing. You don't turn away from something. You go towards, you're in the pathway towards this in your life, and you turn from it and head a different direction. And so, yes, we have freedom from God. There's a liberating love that sets us free from sin in our lives. And it, I don't know what that is for each and every one of us. It, and it is something for each and every one of us because the scripture tells us that all have sinned and all of us fall short. So we all wrestle with this at some level in our life. There's always something that we are fighting and we have to turn from. It might be pride. It might be greed. It might be jealousy, dishonesty. And God's mercy is there, and it's waiting for us to turn around. But then also we have an opportunity to consider how Christ-like we want to be. Because in this season, we have this beautiful story of a God that loves us and comes to liberate his people. If we're going to be Christ-like, then we have to follow in his footsteps. We have to follow in his, his journey in that way to liberate the people around us from the, the pain and the suffering as best that we possibly can. So I want to consider these things. It's the holidays. You're going to get to see a lot of people that you don't normally have to see, right? So... Who needs your forgiveness this season? Whose name is on your books that you could write off their account with you?
you could set free? Who needs your time? Who needs your efforts? It might be your family, your kids, your spouse, your parents. It's really hard for, uh, for parents when their kids start getting older and they just want to not be at home a lot. They might need your time. They might need your love. How can we change the way we operate in our community? Wouldn't it be amazing if Noonan wasn't known as a town for gossip? Man. I had some students at, at, at some point back in the past, and they, they went to Georgia Tech, and they really had a horrible first year there. And they found out that the statement for them, they found out that, you know, Georgia Tech is a drinking school with an engineering problem. That's what they say. And they made a choice um, to start this organization at Tech called Reckless. And they threw the best parties on the campus. Thousands of people coming to these parties. I'm not joking. Huge. And they were all dry. Because they wanted to change the face of what that school might be known for, that it would be an engineering school where people cared about each other and loved each other and took care of each other. They made a difference. They changed the face of what that looked like. And um, I remember the first time we were heading out on a mission trip and Corey shows up covered in mud at the airport to say goodbye to his dad who was going on this trip. And he was so excited because he had spent the whole night in this friendship with his friends, and not once did he have to have a drink, not once did he have to compromise who he was. Because God's freedom and God's love was something real, and it brought life. So how can we change the way we see and work in our community? How can we use our voice to impart Jesus into the people around us? Folks, freedom... Is, is sometimes dangerous because freedom allows us to do things from self-centered areas, but freedom also gives us the ability to love in a way that is so God-like. And so when I think back to that statement, that brood of vipers, where we can be the children of evil, the family of evil, or we can be the children of God because he has set us free. So John the Baptist stands in front of them and says, repent, change, let God set you free, head in a different direction, and then right down the road comes the God of the universe to set us free in those moments. And this morning, my prayer for you and my prayer for me and the prayer for my, this church and this community is that we would see and know the freedom that God has had in our lives and we would give it away. Because it's for freedom that God has set us free. So as the band comes, let's, uh, let's pray and just ask God to, uh, to do that in our hearts. And this morning, again, this, our altars are open. If there's things in your life that you need to do business with God with, I invite you to come and to, to spend time with him here. I know you can do that in your seat. And God is just as present in your seat as he is, you know, up here. But sometimes for ourselves, we have to move our position, we have to move our hearts to another place. Especially today as we talk about moving from one direction to the other, I encourage you to come. Let's pray. Father, this morning, 
I'm so thankful that you didn't throw us away. I'm so thankful that you didn't didn't walk away from us, God, that you didn't leave us in bondage, that you didn't leave us in our shackles because we deserved it, God. But you have made a way. You've given us an opportunity to be free. You've given us a chance, and God, all it takes is for us to turn around. When we turn around, we change our own lives. When we turn around, we can all have the opportunity through you and the empowerment that you put in our lives to change this world around us. And God, you are good and you are faithful and you will do those things. And God, help us to stand in the flow of that and to be conduits of your love in this world so that people can know and hear the message, see the message, see the good news, feel your presence, know your hope, your love, know your joy, know your peace because your people are free. And we're free to love and to give and to serve. Help us to change our methods. Help us to change our mindset. Help us to change our message as we step from this place so that people will know and God, so that we can grow in front of you as your children the children of this kingdom that you, you have so made available to us. Lord, we love you and we thank you. God, do these things in our lives and do these things through our lives. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.